Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 56, Feeding Your Body and Your Mind, an interview with Bonnie DePew, coming to you on Thursday, April 26, 2018. Now, this video and audio interview was actually recorded in December of 2017. This is one of the first interviews that I did ever for the new podcast, yay, um, but I didn't entirely know what I was doing, so the audio quality may not be quite as good as uh, what I hope it is now, but um, I did do some tweaks so that it, it should be plenty um, plenty fine for listening and watching, that sort of thing. The other thing is, is that at the time of the interview, Bonnie and I had planned to do a few more videos that showed some stretches and exercises that writers can do or anybody who has a sedentary sit-down job. But it was December in Michigan. We, we shot it at her facility at Chum, uh, Thera Chum Therapeutic Writing in Dansville, Michigan, and Bonnie had a cold. So by the next morning, she had zero voice left. So we decided to forego the videos at that point, obviously. Um, and then when we saw each other again in April of 2018, uh, so that was just Oh, that was still this month for me. <laughs> I'm like, when was that? Yeah, it was just a couple weeks ago. Uh, what we decided to do instead of video, which you can't, you can't hear somebody show you how to do a stretch, right? I mean, it kind of needs to be described. So instead, we practiced using some new audio equipment that I have because I'm trying to increase my audio quality, as I've mentioned before. And, um, and we did just a, a whole second interview that is additional more information and uh, it has some stretching and exercise stuff in it too. So um, what you're going to do is you're going to get to hear Bonnie today. And if you're watching on YouTube, watch her today. And then next Thursday, we'll have sort of a part two. Now that will be available only as an audio podcast. So you can listen to it on podcast.rightnowworkshop.com or on your favorite podcast app, but it won't be a video that you can watch on YouTube. So sorry about that. However, we do talk about creating a downloadable checklist uh, that's just some of the highlights of uh, different things that she said in the interview. So that will be available and that'll be on the episode page for both this episode episode 56 and next week's episode episode 59 and again you can find that download at podcast.rightnowworkshop.com then you can click on the episodes tab and look for episode 56 and episode 59 okay so here we go i hope you enjoy the interview um there's uh lots of fun little things that come up that you'll be like oh Kitty didn't say that in the introduction, so I'll just leave it. <laughs> I hope you enjoy it and use the information. It's really valuable. Hello, and welcome to the Right Now Workshop podcast. Today's guest is occupational therapist Bonnie DePew, who is going to explain to us why we need to take better care of our bodies in order to become better writers. Welcome, Bonnie. Thank you for having me, Kitty. I appreciate it. Well, we're glad you're here because most of us think about exercising or we think about stretching. If anybody else out there is like me, you uh, think about it and realize at the end of the day you didn't do nearly <laughs> as much of it as you meant to. So we think about, um, as writers, we tend to think about, oh, what can I do uh, to better take care of my shoulders or my arms or that sort of thing. But I think that your feeling is that it goes a whole lot deeper and further than oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, first off, <clears throat> I'm an occupational therapist, but I also run a therapeutic writing program. So we incorporate movement into 
the expansion of what we're looking for for our occupational therapy goals. And so all the typical things you think of from an OT standpoint, whether it's stretches and ADLs and things that help people just get through their day in a better, more healthy way, um, we also take the horses and utilize the concept of movement and sensory input to do some of that for us. Now, that's not to say that all riders need to get on a horse. Not that that would be a bad thing in my head at all. No, that doesn't sound bad to me either. (laughs) (laughs) But there are some basics. So most of you have already addressed at some point, someone has said to somebody else, hey, what should I do because my arms get sore or my wrists get sore or my neck and shoulders get sore? And so there's the basics that that most of you have already covered. And we're basically going to touch on some bullet points. So the first one would be the concept of, Remembering to stretch, remembering to get up away from your desk or your work area, remembering to move, do some basic full body stretches as well as specific to your hands and arms and neck and shoulders, because that seems to be the biggest trigger areas for most people. Understanding trigger points, how can you help yourself with that? Um, Not all of us care to or utilize the great, great, great skills of a good masseuse. (laughs) I love that too. (laughs) However... Um, there's some things that you can do for yourself as well. And there's some pieces of equipment that I would highly recommend. And that leads us into ergonomics. And then you want to think about, well, what's your work site like? Um, what is the work site station for your head and neck? What's the work site station for your hands? Mm-hmm. What's the work site station? And then you think about, okay, what's the work site, site station like for my brain? And that leads us into the whole concept of sensory processing as it relates to higher cognitive function and I think that's where writers fall into that higher cognitive yes. function part. So. I like it. And I'm a total neuroscience geek. I don't know how much you knew about that with me, but I love reading books on neuroscience and reading things about how our brains work and how we can rewire our thought processes to get away from negative behaviors and get into more positive behaviors. And just to be clear to everybody listening, um, Bonnie is my sister. <laughs> and so Damn, she told everybody, she told, but I didn't say who was older. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so the thing that I've always been, been learning with you is about every two or three years I come to visit, I get a horseback riding lesson, lesson. And so we actually just finished a lesson tonight. Uh, we're actually recording this in the barn in the classroom section. And we're going to do a little bit of DVD extras, uh, that we're going to put with this because there's a lot of really exciting, interesting things going on at Chum Therapeutic Writing. But um, one of the things that I noticed was that, uh, for instance, um, I I actually was exercising and stretching. And a year ago, I did this Superman exercise where you lay on your stomach and you put your arms and legs up backwards. And I hurt my back. I just strained it a little bit, but it's been hurting for a year and a half. And I'm out there riding for maybe 45 minutes or so. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my back feels so much better. So explain how all these things work together for us. Okay, well, first off, from a therapist standpoint, you think about the horse being a mirror for your own walking or a natural walking gait. So on the horse, the horse is going to move your pelvic cradle, your spinal column, your shoulder blades the same way they do at a normal walk. So you sit passively as the horse walks literally through you moving all your joints all the way up and moving them all the way back down. And there's that three-dimensional reciprocal movement and that you can change the timing of that movement. You can lengthen the horse's stride. You can change the sensory input. You can change even the amplitude of movement based on the type of horse you use. Oh, So it's not just the activity that you do 
or the gate that you do it at. Most people think, oh, horses. Well, yeah, I remember I went somewhere one time and we bounced, bounced, bounced down a trail and I hated it because for two days later I hurt. That's not riding. <laughs> that's sort of being a passenger in a really uncomfortable way. Right. But true riding, that's not true riding. And so helping, having someone guide you through true riding or if you're looking for therapy, getting someone who can guide you through true therapeutic riding and, you know, whether it's a, um, a certified facility that has a credentialed writing, therapeutic writing instructor so that they can take those issues, whether it's you've just had your knee replaced or your hip replaced or you have back issues or you have, you know, chronic pain issues in your shoulders. What can we do to enhance bringing out better health in you, bringing out a better balanced body by using the horse's movement to do that? Wow. And it's highly motivating. You know, my therapy, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have people who go, I don't want to go to therapy today. <laughs> yeah. They just want to come see their horse. And so it just happens that I can get a lot done while they want to come see their horse. Yeah. So. All right. Now, what is going on in our brains that is, um, we were talking about higher cognitive function mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So um, in, let's just, you know, talk about writers for a minute, but feel free to mention anybody else that you want. So what's going on in our brains that's helping us, even right now, I was so tired. I just wanted to sit on the couch and continue eating Rice Krispie treats that we had made. And I didn't really want to come out because it was dark and it's like 20 degrees outside. But right now I just feel like I'm so energized right. and I've only felt this way once or twice doing other different kinds of like yoga stretches or stuff so so tell us what's happening in our brains when we get into this well and again that goes to one of the bullet points we were going to speak about and that's the whole concept of sensory sensory processing and that pyramid that leads to higher cognitive function so the very bottom of the pyramid is sensory processing okay needing the sensations of various of your senses to come in so for those people who sit there and they take a pen and they click it 500 times in the middle of a meeting And it's driving the rest of us nuts, but that's a sensory function that they do. It's something that they do as a strategy to help keep their brain at a higher level. Okay. Um, Some of us sip coffee. I'm not a coffee drinker or Mountain Dew. I'm not that either. (laughs) Um, Some people smoke. Some people sit there, girls will sit there and twirl their hair. Guys will play with their mustache. And that actually, there's um, trigger points here or meridians uh, from an acupressure uh, standpoint that actually release, release endorphins. So the guy who's ah. sitting like this actually calms his brain and helps him think. So, yes, it does help him think better as he sits there and rubs on his mustache. Okay, so, so that FYI. might explain. So so my husband, John, is uh, often um, – I don't know what kind of a day, because now I have to go back and think about it. Like, what kind of a day did I have when I would do this? But sometimes I'll just be sitting there and just kind of, not really scratching it, but I'll just be sort of like scratching at my cheeks or my forehead or something, and I'll slap my hand away and say, stop scratching your face. And I think, yes, that's a bad habit. But now I'm wondering if I'm unconsciously it can, doing... It can be either way. Okay. It can be a sensory thing. Um, it could be more of a possible anxiety kind of worry thing, and, and you want to watch those behaviors. But... Um, there isn't necessarily a specific spot at your cheek or your forehead, mm-hmm. although rubbing the forehead is also something that you do when you have a headache. And again, it triggers another release um, within the brain. So when you're talking about sensory processing, um, vestibular or that inner ear information. Okay? okay. So there are those people who like to rock. Okay. Oh. You sit in a rocking chair. You love to rock. There's a certain element of that rocking that's connected to the vestibular system. Okay. Ah. The vestibular system or your inner ear tells you where you are with your head in the space. Okay. 
Then there's proprioception, and that's that information between your muscles and joints against gravity, okay? So walking is, is proprioceptive. Um, pounding, you know, sitting here doing this, you know, um, uh, bouncing your heel on the floor is a um. proprioceptive like sensory strategy. Yeah. Okay. John's um, knee bounces at a hundred miles an hour most of the time. <laughs> okay. Um, the sit there throwing the ball and bouncing the ball off the wall in the office. That's yeah. a sensory thing. Okay. You, you see them do this on TV and various shows. So the guy is thinking and he has a basketball hoop on his door. And while he's thinking, he's throwing the ball and he's bouncing the ball back and forth. And he's just doing this as he's thinking. Yes, that is a true sensory strategy as he's processing. So if you get stuck, one of the things you might need to do and go, okay, so maybe I'm not going to beat myself up over having writer's block. Maybe I need to go move and then let things just simply evolve because I've moved. Uh Um, Your body needs a a certain element. Have you ever sat um, nice, comfy in a chair reading something maybe not so interesting? Uh, I remember the days of textbooks uh-huh. and you're sitting in this recliner chair late at night, the whole family's gone to bed where you really should be and you're studying <laughs> yeah. and you've read the same page mm, <laughs> at least five times. <laughs> yeah. Realize you haven't read anything. <laughs> yeah. You have no idea what you read. You have no, there's nothing. And then you get the EBGBs, you know, when you just like everything itches and you can't get comfortable and you're wiggling around in your chair. Your brain's going either get up or go to bed. Ah. It can't process any more cognitive function because there's not enough sensory coming in. So your body's kind of going, it's craving sensory input. Oh. So if you expect the brain to function and the body's going, hello, our well down here is pretty empty. So a lot of times um, I encourage students to get up and walk through the house, even go in the other room and lean on the wall as you read. You're standing up and you're getting more sensory input to your brain right. by standing up. You can lean on the wall. Now, there are much better ways to sit at a desk if you're going to sit and type if you're going to sit and um and i know a lot of you guys use dictation but those who use typing um and even for dictation can you use dictation while you're doing something physical so you can again give that sensory input so you're not like part way through a sentence and go what was i saying (laughs) where did i i don't remember where i went with that you know everything from those little pedal you know the little peddlers People would put them underneath their desk in an office. Oh, really? It's like a little hand bike. Uh There's no wheels. It's Uh just two pedals. And you sit there and you pedal underneath your desk. Wow. So you're getting this great, actually, aerobic exercise. (laughs) And it's not just an exercise for your legs, but you're pumping blood through your system. So it is an aerobic exercise. Uh While you're doing it, you're also getting sensory input. And the sensory input can keep you focused on other things. Okay. Um, now I do I do sit on my exercise ball sometimes. Yep. I'll either bounce or move or a lot of people worry about the exercise balls in terms of falling off of them. <laughs> yeah. They actually have a stand for them that oh. the, that is just <clears throat> basically a ring that uh-huh. the ball sits in. So it's not going to roll off of it. Right. It won't roll out from under you when you go to sit down. So it's not something to worry about. And you don't have to roll it, but a lot of times I'll suggest to people, you know when you get stuck on something, then just do a couple of exercises where you're sitting. So it's not just bouncing on the ball, but you can use your your hips and draw figure eight and wiggle things around that way. You can do anterior, posterior, tipping your hips forward and back. You're working on your low back muscles. And one thing about sitting on the ball is it working on postural control. Chairs don't work on postural control. They work on let's have no control and just hang. Yeah. (laughs) So we want our bodies to really work for us. 
The more we give them to work for, the better our brain works. When we deprive them, it's like starving the brain. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So if you sit yourself in some sort of environment that allows for that, um, everything from I've known people who, um, whether they dictate or type, and typing is a challenge to me to do that on a bicycle, but I know people, the old stationary bikes that they bought for themselves and then... Yeah, it was a good thought. <laughs> now it's a great clothes hanger. Yeah. So you find shirts laying on them and they become a catch-all. Yeah. Take the shirts off, go put them in the closet and sit on your bike while you're, you're typing or while you're dictating. You know, whatever. You can just sit there and start running ideas through your head while you're getting a good exercise for yourself, but you're also stimulating the brain. You just talked about we came out of a riding lesson into this. We're stimulating the brain with our exercise we went from having auditory stimulation, uh, vestibular stimulation, visual stimulation, because they've got visual flow as you move around the arena. Now we've worked all our gross motor or our big motor movements. Right. Um, we've worked on fine motor movements. We've pretty much covered that gamut. Now we just need to have um, we need to have our brain engaged. Now, now we're our brain is ready. Right. Right. Okay, so a rider um, has all these options. One, of course, being fantastic horseback riding. Another one being um, finding some sort of movement, maybe something that they already naturally do. Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, and then we're talking about different ways to sit or uh, breaks to take. How often should we take a break? That's, you know, they, they like to create these rules, and then yeah. they don't go by the rules, and then they just don't do it at all. And I'm kind of I'm not a rule breaker, but I suggest that we don't all need a prescription. So just get up. Now, some people really like a prescription. So I would say to you, every 20 minutes, having a little alarm that you can just push the start button again. And in 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever fits your needs from a sensory standpoint. And that's a huge piece of it. Some people can get enough sensory input. They'll go for two hours and then they need something. Okay. Other people, they need it every 20 minutes. And it's going to depend on your day. And it's going to depend on how much sleep you had. Uh, nutrition is a huge piece. Don't oh, get me started on nutrition and <laughs> brain function. It's important that you're not eating things that are making your brain less functional. Right. And that's an important piece. So, And that's, that's a whole other thing. And I'm not a nutritionist. But um, over the years of doing what I do, um, it's important that you feed the brain. Um, whether you're feeding the brain uh, a nutritional food that's not high in starches, sugars, and, and carbs. Yeah. Um, I, I always tease people around here. When I come into the barn and I'm struggling, um, whether it's looking at um, diagnoses and, and issues and paperwork, or whether it's, what horse did I say I wanted them on today? <laughs> yeah. um, it's, Wait a minute. Give me a couple minutes because I don't think my protein shake has hit bottom yet. You know? <laughs> yeah. I always can tell when my protein levels are down. Because then I struggle more and I have more of that brain fog moment. And the same thing happens when I don't drink enough water. Ah. Water by itself is crucial. You get headaches from, from not having enough water. You get achy bodies from not having, and you get brain fog from not having enough water in your system. And no coffee, tea, things in your water to make it taste better. Those are treated by the body as a food, not as water. It's very important to recognize that. I used to hate water, and I said, but I drink lemonade all the time or Kool-Aid when I was a kid or whatever. Then your body's treating that as a food, and it's not getting water 
and it needs water. So yeah, that's a big deal. When you think about feeding your brain, you also have to put the right food in your body as well. Right. Okay. So for instance, um, you're sitting there typing and some days you can go an hour and a half and your brain is just totally on fire. Maybe if we can stop and think, because you know, all, all of us writers, we want to be in that writer flow, that magical place. So if we can maybe, um, start by, is this a good idea? Should we start by maybe having sort of a informal diary? Okay. This was not a good day. What did I do? Did I eat M&Ms while I was eating? Did I not move at all? For those who do now understand there's, there's like three different learning styles to begin with. Okay. And those learning styles will be reflected in how you go about your day. Okay. So the person who's very much an auditory learner, okay, um, and actually that's a smaller percentage than the rest of us. Um, most of us are visual or kinesthetic learners, and then there are the auditory learners. And everybody's a little different. Some people are um, real list people. They, they need schedules. They need that's, – that's you. That's kind of me. That's you. <laughs> so you're asking me for a prescription. For you, I would give you one. It's uh-huh. like, yes, Kitty, I want you to stop every hour, set a watch. It says every hour, okay, how do I feel? Now, just because you're feeling good doesn't mean don't take a break, okay? Right. Um, and if you're in the middle of a flow, you can turn that to reset and go for another hour if you've got it. Okay. That's okay. what I always wondered. Do I you have, to, have stop? to stop? Oh, gosh, oh no. okay. I'm in the middle of a great thought. <laughs> because part of what my job is, is also writing grants and writing right. press releases. And um, there's a variety of things that I have to do, whether it's writing research right now, we're writing abstracts to go do some of our research, take it abroad. And to do those things, I need to be in that place where I can wrap my head fully and completely around all the verbiage I need so it sounds intelligent. (laughs) Um, And I cover all my bases. I don't want to miss something. And I can't just jump around. It's really important to me that I get all the things in a precise place. For that to happen for me, I need to be in a specific place in my head. Yes. But also a place in what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I don't want the interruptions. And so you can set that, that little alarm, just a little cooking alarm. Yeah. And then it goes off and up oh, in a zone and hit reset and just let it reset again. You know, you can use your phone, um, yeah. whatever works for you. And that's an important device for you. Mm-hmm. For some of us, it's a matter of just going, I, you know, I'm feeling like I'm, I'm, uh, what did I just write? Okay. Get up. That's your cue. Your brain okay. is going, I'm starving. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Go get some water. The act of walking to the sink, getting yourself some water, walk a lap around the house and come back to wherever you're sitting. Okay. That's a walk. Oh, That's a walk. Okay. You don't have to take 15 minutes and go outside. Although fresh air is a great thing. Even in Michigan winter, when it's, you know, 12 below, <laughs> I get that foggy moment. I might walk out and I'll walk down to the barn and back. Yeah. It's that moment of stepping away and I can get clarity in my head for what I want to type. Yeah. But I had to step away from that warm, cozy environment <laughs> that was making me feel oh so comfortable. Yeah. Um, it wakes up my brain because it's a sensory component. I'm mm-hmm. walking. There's brisk air, fresh air. That's a big thing. Among the things your body needs in terms of clean water and fresh water, it needs good air. And sometimes our house can get really a little stagnant. And the yeah. aromatherapy that makes you feel really relaxed, not so much when I need to be alert in what I'm writing. Right. So really think about those things too. Okay. And still, even using aromatherapy for getting you to that place, there's some aromas like for me, I you know I really like peppermint. Peppermint's like one of my favorites. If I put on cooking smells like uh, sugar cookies and pumpkin spice, 
Yeah, not so much. I get in my comfy space. Oh, yeah. My comfy space isn't necessarily my alert space. Right. Depends on what I'm doing. Okay. If I need my alert space, then I'm more likely to have smells like peppermint. I really love peppermint. Yeah, me too. Um, I didn't a, know you a, did too. <laughs> wakes me up and gets me going. And yeah. so um, living oils in some of those places, young oil, no, young living, yeah. Something I don't remember. We'll, we'll lots find it. I'll put a link in the show notes. There's mm-hmm. lots of lots of different oils out there, but those essential oils. Um, something simple like you can have um, just a little cloth with a couple drops of oil on it, and just have it near enough to you oh, yeah. that you can just catch that smell and just go, yeah, oh, hey, I'm good, you know. <laughs> um, and then having your water there. Um, there's a lot of ways that you can just keep yourself in the zone there too. Yeah. Um, but movement is a huge piece here. Now, you've got everything from the ball. Um, people will use swivel seats. Mm-hmm. They'll sit there and scoot their seat around and all that. Um, <laughs> there are actual pads you can put on a regular chair, wiggle seats. Oh. Now, this gets into the concept of um, sensory processing. And when I'm working with a client who needs help from that, whether it's a child or whether it's an adult with a uh, brain injury or whatever, all of us have sensory issues. Most of us have a strategy that meets those needs. Some of us don't always use our strategies we know we have, and some need better strategies, okay? okay. Um, I would say a healthier strategy than munching to keep myself awake. Oh, yes. Please yeah. tell me. What can I not do? <laughs> well, and I'm notorious for that when I'm driving. I'm really bad at that when I'm driving because if I've got a 12-hour drive um, when I'm doing our outreach program, I'm trying to stay awake. So I do a lot of oral stim. If I do a lot of gum chewing, then it hurts my jaw over a period of time. I have to really watch that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to stop and think about what am I putting in. So if I'm putting in useless calories in terms of carbs, I would just assume put empty calories like celery in mm-hmm. than carbs. And I'm not a vegetable person. I'm not a green. I don't do carrots. I don't do most green things. Yeah. Um, Celery is one of those things that it takes more energy for your body to digest it. So that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend when we travel, she's in charge of, of making sure that I'm being fed. <laughs> so literally we'll buy a case of water. And yes, that means the trip gets interrupted more often. And um, oftentimes we'll leave the house with celery and I like cream cheese on mine or protein, you know, peanut butter for people you know, like that for your protein. And then it's giving me oral stim. That's a healthy choice for oral stim, mm-hmm. okay, versus, you know, the bag of M&Ms. But then you hit that high and low. And when yeah. the low comes, it's a major dive. Yeah. So I can't have that when I'm in the middle of something, whether it's in the middle of teaching, whether it's in the middle of, of doing a presentation, whether I'm writing, you know, a grant or whether I'm driving. I just can't have those. And so I really watch that I'm not choosing those anymore. That used to be my go-to and I'm trying yeah. really hard to stay away from those kinds of things. I know what it does to me and I'm becoming more, um, more policing to my own self going, you know what this is going to do to you when you eat it, make good choices. Mm-hmm. And it makes it easier than just saying no. Yeah. You can't have that. Well, you know, everybody wants it because they said you can. So <laughs> yeah. I want it. And who's that? You know, who are you to tell me I shouldn't? Well, I would be the person. You're putting it in. <laughs> so it's easier when I just, you know, tell myself, hey, we need to make good choices. Or how are you going to feel afterwards? Yeah. And that is usually enough. It's like, remember how you felt the last time you had this. If it was okay, then 
all right. And I usually pay for some of those bad choices. <laughs> okay. So I have two questions on the oral stimulation. I know a lot of writers who eat when they're typing. I don't know why, but yes, we seem to have an oral stimulation process going on. So my, my one question is, is there something that we can do to replace the oral part or is that something that we have to deal with by itself? And then the other question is, I know that, for instance, almonds are supposed to be good brain food. But um, one handful of almonds, which is like a quarter cup as a serving, is the same amount of calories as a package of M&Ms. So I'm like, am I really doing myself any favors? Or Well, again, I'm not a nutritionist. That's right. Sorry and if you about just that. go with the basic of calories, you can get really confused. And eventually you'll start telling yourself, oh, then I'm just going to eat the other stuff. <laughs> yeah. So the reality is, if you can look at what you're eating um, and and think about, like, again, more times than not, when we think we're hungry, we're thirsty. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Yeah. And so go back to how many bottles. So if you set in front of you your eight bottles of water. Oh, and guess I saw what? that. <laughs> well, there's an empty one. Oh, I have four more to do today. But they're right in front of you. You can even take the caps off, have a straw in them so you don't have to stop much to actually change anything and take sips of your water. And that oftentimes will do more for you than the whole munchy thing. Right. Your body really just wants more water. Yeah. And I have read some research that suggests that depending on how much equipment is in your room, the computers that you're sitting in front of are actually pulling moisture out of your system, dehydrating you. Right, right. There's a certain amount of that whole... Um, the electricity, the, the, the unseen that is happening around electrical components in your body and how that all works with the electrical biochemistry situation. And I'm not a biochemist either, <laughs> but I do know that that is a very accurate statement. So, yes, there's those things to be worried about. Um, and then, again, we just don't get enough. And yeah. so that's really basic. And I know that you guys have talked about, you know, the, the neck rolls and the shoulder shrugs and doing the, the stretches in the arms. And there's some very specific stretches that when we get to the video part, I can show you that are specific to maybe um, the carpal tunnel meridian nerve issues. Um, understanding the difference between what is carpal tunnel and what is impingement syndrome, for example. Oh. Um, oftentimes, they'll have similar uh, symptomology, but they're not the same problem. And sometimes, unless you've got a really good doctor who watches that, you can have someone who diagnose you based on your symptoms as being one that's in need of surgery candidate oh. versus another one who really could use some physical therapy, some better ergonomics, and some really better posture. Yeah. Okay. So impingement syndrome typically is neck shoulder here. It's mm -hmm. that whole brachial plexus, which is the brachial plexus is the, the nerve group that comes off the, the neck and runs down your arm. And so you have the nerves that go from, from the shoulder area down to the median nerve, which is the middle one, the ulnar nerve and the radial nerve. Okay. Okay. Um, so you have three basic branches. Now you can have issues up here that create that whole tennis elbow issue. Oh. And you're like, how can I have tennis elbow? I don't play tennis and I, I'm not doing anything. But if you're in a state of flexion yeah. and if you're in a hurry and you're typing and you're not supporting your forearms, right. so that whole concept of you're holding your shoulders up and don't even realize it because you're supporting your forearms because they're heavy and you're trying to type and you're going really fast and you don't even know that you've tightened all those muscles up. Right. So now you get into tension headaches, you get sore necks, you get that crick in your neck. 
you get rounded shoulders here, yeah. all of those things. Anytime you have tension in a muscle, you run the risk of, of creating um, just um, like a blockage or something? Not so much a blockage, just an irritation. Oh, okay. So take, think about if I took your arm mm -hmm. and I squeezed it and then rubbed on it and squeezed it and rubbed on it, every time you contract the muscle around the nerve, and then it's tight and it's working, oh. I'm gonna create an irritation there, right? right. You're irritating the nerves, oh. okay? Because you've got all this going on. So eventually we have referred pain. The referred pain ends up in our extremities versus up here where it starts. Yeah. So oftentimes pain and tingling in the hand is not carpal tunnel, which is the median nerve specifically. Okay. It's brachial plexus impingement sy syndrome from the neck and or shoulder. And how many of us sit here like this? Yeah, I do all the time. As soon as you said that, I started like putting right, my right. shoulders back. Right. So as you're typing, we tend to roll our shoulders forward. We don't work on good posturing. And that's where the ball comes into play and those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. It's a good ergonomic standing up and, and letting your arms dangle off your shoulders and type that way. That was one thing I was going to ask you is that I have occasionally found a bunch of boxes and I've piled them up on my desk until Absolutely. my computer seems to be. So this is a good possible. Not everybody can afford to have those cute desks that go up and down. <laughs> They're really lovely, right. but not everybody can afford that. And it's not always practical. So yes, finding things that you can stack up and go, okay, here's my stack to go from sitting to standing. So when I'm standing, this is where I'm typing. Now, the key to that, though, is there's two really, really important things here as far as I'm concerned in terms of worksite ergonomics. When you're, when you're worrying about your wrists, most people, they tend to, to type with their wrists at an angle like this, okay? Mm -hmm. And you want your wrist neutral here. This needs to be soft, okay? This needs to be neutral, not here, okay? Okay, so, so not up, not down, kind of not flat. Not here. So a lot of people, you'll see a lot of keyboards where they've, flip the clips on the back of the keyboard to make them sit up at an angle like this. Right. All that does is accentuate all of this wrist work. Okay. Right. So now you're causing an issue based on just how you set up your workstation. Okay. Mm -hmm. That you're, when you're typing for your hands to be most relaxed, you need to type so that your forearms are supported. So whether it's on a table, then use a gel pad that those wrist pads that go the full length of your keyboard, mm -hmm. let your wrist sit on that while you're typing. Okay. And yes, your arms can slide around, but sliding is still better than hanging and being held up. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. If you're in an office chair, make sure you have one that has movable arms on it so that you can bring them to a level of which your forearms are supported so that, again, your arm, your, they're sliding on that. The pads are actually carrying the weight of your arms, not your shoulders, so you get away from this. You're, the pads of the chair or the tabletop or whatever is carrying the weight of the arms. They can slide while you type, but everything is going to be softer and more relaxed. Okay. You know, okay. somehow I must have read something wrong. I thought I was supposed to be holding my arms up and not resting them on the table. So I, I think I've been doing it wrong all if this time. you are, what's holding them up? All well, of this mechanism, that would, right? That would be all my sore shoulders. Yes, 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 exactly. <laughs> so we need to be in a relaxed state, that postural issue. Okay? okay. The other thing is visually. When you're looking at your monitor, the concept is that your monitor should be about 30 degrees lower than your eyes. That's it. So when you're sitting in your comfy chair and your <laughs> laptop is on your lap, and you're looking down like this. So now we've got all of this going. We've got this, this um, 
flexion of the neck that's overextenuated. You're messing with your posture big time. That rolls the shoulders forward. That causes more. You're going to have a lot more issues, head, neck, and shoulders, as well as forearm pain issues and numbing issues because you've really set your brachial plexus up now. Now we're in, in this position. And yeah. Okay. Now, All right. Think about that. Now we've gotten to this position and we're just kind of sitting on our innards. Yeah. If your rib cage is sitting on your innards, how well are you going to be breathing? Breathing, right. Okay. Yeah. So you're basically beating your body up by doing nothing at all. Yeah. Okay. So that as much as we talk about posture, it's not just how cute do you look. <laughs> we all like to look like the girls on TV, but it's how healthy are you? Are you yeah. depriving your body of essential nutrients? Good oxygen flow, good breathing. Are you depriving your body of good water so that it can think and so it can perform? Are you setting your body up to be in a place of high tension and wonder why you can't keep that up for eight hours without headaches and back pain and arm pain? And all of those pain receptors are great at going, hey, you, hey, you, I know you're trying to type. I know this is important. By the way, the book's not going to get done. My hands hurt. Yeah. Okay, so how much work did you just get done through all of that? Yeah, because you're, you're trying to ignore all these signals. Right. Okay. And you spent a lot of energy in tuning out pain signals. Right. Which only comes back to bite in the end. So. Yeah. Well, you know what? This is what we'll do. Um, I am going to ask you to help me. We'll make a little checklist that people can download off the uh, the page where this episode will be. Okay. And it will be the reminder of... Um, the, the water and the breathing and the posture. And then I'll also make sure that uh, in the show notes, there's a link to the other videos that we'll do tomorrow. Okay. And um, we'll make sure that people can see, you know, some of the things that you're talking about. Now, um, I, I would love to, I always would love to talk to you longer, but we're running a lot out of time here for the interview portion. Is there anything else that you want to mention um, as would apply particularly towards being more creative? Um, it sounds like all of these things are going to I think creativity, I find for me, creativity comes best when I've stepped away from what I think I must do and make time to what I enjoy. So for me, it's the horses. And like you said, oftentimes, you know, I'll teach, when I teach, I teach about a 12 hour day, but I'm actually in the barn about 14 hours. Um, and then I'm like, uh, you know, I really want to ride my horse, but I'm tired. Or my day off, I really want to ride my horse, but I have 400 things to do. Or I have this report to get, or I have an abstract to write, or whatever. Um, it's in those moments I have to remind myself, I'm at my best when my passions that God has given me are filling my well. Yeah. When my well is dry, I'm not any good to anybody, and I'm certainly not creative. But I'm at my best. I'm most creative. I'm most expressing the passion that God has given me, whatever that creativity outlet is. Okay. For writers, it's you guys and your writing. Um, I'm at my best for that when I'm filling the well that I can pour forth on other people. That's awesome. I love that. So. So I do feel that way. And yet I always think, well, I've got to get this other work done. I've got to get the marketing work done. But it sounds but like you, you just need to. Yes. You have to fill the well. Yeah. Because if you don't, it's going to go dry. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much. I apologize that it's December and you have a cold. <laughs> but thank you. Is that you. my normal voice? <laughs> yeah. She wasn't yelling at me during the lesson. <laughs> I, I feel good about that. <laughs> Thank you so much for helping us Absolutely. out. Absolutely. It's great fun. 
Great. Thanks for being on the show, Bonnie. We really appreciate you.